Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. Today, in the first of two installments for episode 53, Graham McMillan and I reflect on Fear Itself number 5 and Marvel's plans for its post-Fear Itself future. We also cover Flashpoint number 4, Flashpoint the Secret 7, and Flashpoint the Outsider, X-Men Schism, Wolverine 13, Punisher Max 16, as well as the work of Jason Aaron generally. We also cover the truly enjoyable Daredevil number 2. Part 2 is right around the corner, so stay tuned, and as always, thanks for listening. And from a sunny and glorious Portland day, hello, dear listeners. Do you have waffles? I don't. Everyone who is really, really, really waiting for us to do like 15 minutes on waffles again, or just 15 minutes on how much you hate my neighbors, I think they might (laughs) wait it. To be fair, you know, your neighbors are probably okay. (laughs) To be fair, that's very nice of you. Well, thank you. I thought so too. You were just like ridden with hate last week. You know, I just found it very... I don't don't think people expected it. I didn't expect it. Well, yes. Well, part of it was me trying to be comical, but I I also was kind of appalled that they, you know, the Waffle Window's a great place. It's only a block away. It seemed to me that there was some sort of celebration of modern introversion going on that that we were. No, no, it was literally just it it was literally just they haven't been to the Waffle Window. In fact, I believe at least two of them did not even know it existed until I pointed out. Yeah. See. So, like I said, I'm like that's great they should go <laughs> that's, like that's great maybe i don't know <laughs> i'm obviously i have my opinions about it but you know i but those opinions are very loose and comical they are not they are not uh, genuinely um uh malicious in, in other words dear listeners he really isn't that mean in real life. I'm, I'm really I, not I, i've met jeff and he, <laughs> he's not that mean He's not the Grinch who stole Waffle Christmas. It's true. Although there was, there was a uh, I I was at brunch I guess or closer to blunch I guess uh, with a friend at a restaurant I'd never been to, and there was uh, this old stove. I was waiting to sit down in this frontward area, and there was this like really really old stove that I guess they pulled out of the original kitchen and gussied up is a uh, uh, something to talk about while you're waiting to get seated and it had the best sign on it and i'm like that sign should be my next tattoo on the stove someone has actually printed out on a large sheet of paper a sign that says i'm old and fragile and don't like being touched and i was like <laughs> that just struck me as like Oh, Jeff. Marvelous. You're you know? not that old. <laughs> fragile not being touched, I can't speak to. You're not that old. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to think so, too, but you never know. I'd like, like, like to think so, too, but, you know, then reality comes in. Right, exactly. Then I have to be realistic. Uh, and, uh, you know, I snapped my tibia getting out of the car, so, you know. Wow. Wow, seven point one, seven point two, and 7.3. oh, you're seeing the the fear itself news, right? Dude, I well, I thought it would be sensible to like actually brush up on my comic news really yes. quickly. So, so, we talk. so, dear listeners, um, Marvel has well, they, that's just it. They've not even announced. Rich Johnson has the inside scoop that um, Marvel is following up Fear Itself issue seven, the final issue of Fear Itself, with three more issues uh, called Fear Itself issue seven point one. Fear Self issue 7.2 and Fear Self issue 7.3. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Um, They are, in in their defense, they're all pretty much issues by the regular creative team of that particular book, if that makes sense. Or that's not true. It's regular writers. Sure, sure. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, Captain America is Brubaker and Guise and uh, Iron Man is Fraction and LaRocca. But who's Thor? Is Thor Fraction in someone or am I? It's Fraction and Kubert, Adam Kubert. Which is okay. interesting. Yeah. So. yeah. so that that will be uh interesting. But yes, three extra issues, three more issues after the final issue. Well done, Marvel. <laughs> well, you know, I, I um uh this 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 hopefully will provide a good segue, should we wish to talk about fear itself, uh whatever the fuck that issue. Oh, it was issue, was five. issue five. I was actually looking at that earlier on and I was like, did that come out before the last podcast or have we 
have like have you and I just basically <laughs> gone over it enough in email, or don't we actually talk about it on the podcast? I can't remember. You know, it's funny. We actually um, I think we did on Twitter now. That I think exactly. If we talked about it on Twitter. Uh, so, which reminds me, actually, because this is something that I don't think we did say on our last podcast where we answered everyone's questions. But if you have a Twitter account, listeners, and you feel like following us, Graham, your Twitter account is Graham M, which is G R A E M E M, and mine is Lazy Bastard. That's uh, B A S T I D, and that's all one word, no underscoring or anything. Lazy bested. Um, and as long as I'm getting the plugs, you should probably follow us because that's where we always ask for questions. Because we're really bad at asking for questions. A on the podcast or B on the Savage Critic website. Although we might as well say we have an email address. We have a wait what email address? We do. We do. That's the other thing. If anyone wants to email us uh, stuff, uh, in theory, it's wait what at gmail.com is that what it ended up being <laughs> i think so i actually right, hold it, on which I is know. kind of hilarious that's exactly. why i was like hey jeff take it away <laughs> <laughs> let, let let me send us a quick test message real quick oh i'm sorry it's wait what podcast at gmail.com so glad you checked yeah me too because that would be that would be really funny so yes people uh, and, and please yeah please email us uh mm-hmm. it, just for the for the fun of it Yes. Yeah, we were both very tickled that that Murray Fox spent the time to actually uh, complain uh, to us about trying to jog while listening to us talk about waffles for 15 minutes. So it's the kind of thing which that was spectacular. That email wall really kind of made my evening last night because <laughs> <laughs> pretty much was he fuck you, fuck <laughs> you so bad. Yeah, that's that's apparently the sort of feedback we thrive on. Uh, and finally, if you have not, it's been a while since anyone has taken the time to actually write a review for us on iTunes. We always appreciate it. I always like having a fresh review in there every so often, either good or bad, just so that people are aware that uh, get a sense we're, of... We're still know, doing it. We're still doing it, exactly. And that people are still listening to it. So, uh, you know, if you feel like it, it would be super greatly appreciated. And I think that's the end of our uh, Wait What Plug What's for, for this week, right? Wait What Plug What's? Wow. Look at you. You're getting the branding in. I know. I know. I'm, it's I'm very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're impressed, Graham. Uh, so, yes, we actually talked about um, Fear Itself number five on Twitter very briefly. But I, uh, I, I think we can sum our reaction up in, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's our print, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of rehashing the things that uh, I say <clears throat> elsewhere, so I, I won't get into all my reactions. Oh, let's, because really, everyone seems fucking out of character. Although, did you read the Newsarama interview with Fraction yesterday? By no, it? no, was that yesterday? I'm kind yes. of dying to read oh, it. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> he basically... Uh, I'm going to have to look it up now. Ooh. Oh, uh, oh. Because he basically says, uh, at the end, his he was like, you know, Thor saying pain in the ass, who can't hang out with Iron Man without picking up some slang? Which, you know... Thor, just just saying. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. But also, he then says at the end, the only reason I put it in was to distract people so that they wouldn't get so upset about whether Thor could be the Hulk in the thing. <laughs> that he says, really, I just put the ass line in there because I didn't want to have to argue with battle dudes. It was the linguistic equivalent of a smoke bomb. I figured if I had Thor say ass, then I wouldn't have to argue about could Hulk really beat up Thor? Really? That's honestly what he says. That's like, uh, well, you know, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure he had plenty of times. Well, to... And I was like, Tom Braver also says that line may not have worked for some folks, and that I think is perfectly fine because it's up to every reader to determine for themselves what works for them and what doesn't work for them. I also feel like, especially these days, and especially in a book with the magnitude of fear itself, people kind of come to the party looking for things to have a problem with. And frankly, if the worst thing they can think about is that, about that issue of fear itself is I didn't like it when Thor called Hulk a pain in the ass, I think they were doing pretty well. Really, True. Really? Talk- Honestly, because it wasn't just that. It was people being like, well, that's it. everyone seems out of character. Uh, <laughs> he also says, uh, didn't say it here. He said it on a, a Marvel interview, an interview at Marvel.com, that basically like Spider-Man wasn't giving up. He was being pragmatic. When Spider-Man... <laughs> 
It's not. Um, he wasn't giving up. It was a strategic retreat forever. He, I bet. And then Tom Piper says, it's actually like, it's the, the news around interviews they do, Tom Piper and my fraction of a fear of self, are wonderful and exceptionally frustrating at the same time. Uh-huh. Uh, so Newsarama is like Albert Ching says uh, one scene in the shoot sparked a bit of a discussion was the ending with Spider-Man choosing to leave the battlefield and checking his loved ones rather than remain in the fight with some reacting oh Spider-Man would never do that my fraction response is but look he did it it sees print so it happened <laughs> and yet it did happen uh, yeah, which sounds like uh, who, who was that? Um, I don't know if you'd know the reference, but you know the um, John Levitz's pathological liar from Saturday Night Live. I, I don't, sadly, but he it, sounds, it sounds like a laugh right anytime John Levitz is involved. Exactly, you know it's going to be quality yucks. Anyway, there, he would always go in and he'd start telling his stories, and it, they would always get larger and larger and more absurd and eventually someone would call would just say that sounds impossible and he'd go and yet it happened which is like <laughs> which is really what it sounds like we're listening to right there uh yeah no i i mean i will agree with tom that if uh that was the only thing to complain about thor saying ass we'd be set that but it's is, not. <laughs> I know that's that's one of about fifteen other problems that I had with the book. So you know, it's just it's there's so much that is actually just <laughs> downright wrong about Fear Self Number Five. Oh, um, so bad. It, you know what the worst one is though? It's not Spider Man giving up. Even it's not Thor saying us. It's Captain America ends the issue by going like, "Well, we've we've lost." Right. It's like way to make Cap seem like such a dick. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, there was just bad writing. Like, I was rereading it the other day to sort of be prepped for, for talking about it. And the, the the whole, like, there's a... I mean, it's just badly written where, where like, uh, the God of Fear says, you are all children with your children's games. And then Cap goes, you know what I loved playing when I was a kid? Catch! And he throws the shield at him, and I'm like... That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever read. Like, it's oh, no, really no, bad. No. But Fear Itself has become, like, full of that sort of thing, where characters are like, hey, this sounds like a witty catchphrase. It's honestly Mark Miller turned up to 11. <laughs> which is which is horrifying, because Mark Miller is already designed not to... Is it's already himself. at 11. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like turning it up to 11 again. It's like that uh, that Simpsons thing where, like, people's heads just explode no, and liquefy. Like, so I'm looking through it right now. The start of it is the risk, uh, Red Skull being like, I killed that manish boy of yours, I'll kill your dad. And Cap says, your dad couldn't. It's like, yes! Really? Captain America's like, your dad's... Yeah, your dad couldn't. Reckon you can't either. And it's like, um, yeah, that was terrible. There was so God. We could actually, if we were to pick it apart page by page, oh, we, I think we, we would we, literally we, find shit yeah, that we would. We could find something on every single page, but also yeah. it would take up like two hours. We could easily yeah. do two hours on what is wrong with Fear Itself number five. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, although I will say this, I love that Franklin can apparently change the worthy back to normal. And I will lay money that he will not do that again for the rest of the series. Dude, it's terrible. I mean, let's face it. That was like out of everything else in the book, which is, again, has is all running toward like a series of uh, it's like a checklist. It's like reading a checklist that someone is in a hurry to like. Oh, really? Is And they're completely hacking out and they're like, okay, so Cap's got to be broken. What will break him? Okay, we'll break his shield. Sure. And then he's broken. Uh, right. Spider-Man's got to be broken. So we'll just have him leave. Uh, okay. Thor collapses. And it's like, why does Thor collapse anyway? Right. Yeah. Because he needs to collapse and maybe dead for all we know. And there's no real reason why. He, also, he, that terrible dialogue. Yeah, the Thor's like, I cannot beat you, you know, and I never could. And all goes, I knew. And then Thor goes, did you know? That's his big moment. <laughs> did you know? <laughs> it's like, he's like, mm, I reckon. I mean, really. <laughs> it's, it's really just crazy and appalling. And I think the weirdest, craziest part of the whole thing for me isn't actually in the book itself. But it's the fact that Thor sends Hulk into space, right. Hulk then lands and goes straight into a Dracula crossover. Yeah, I know. Well, and that's – okay, so this is the, actually one of my original points about 7.1, 7.2, 7.3 is 
I is felt what? Right. Well, that's my first reaction. My second is that I kind of had this thing of I can't tell if some of these moments would work if they had more room. Like I kind of you know that that the part of the the issue that I have has Iron Man like you know, basically at Odin's forge, like wielding, you know, creating a, a sword. That's a, that's a great image. It oh really yeah, and it's, and it's not in the comic at all. It's, no, not at all. Not at not even like it's the setup to that. So the fact that it's there, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. But then when you get to the end, and it's like, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, check it out in Iron Man. I'm like, no, I'm not going well, to. What? But here's the fascinating thing. I was actually reading uh, the comic book resources review of the Iron Man issue. Uh huh. I'm gonna I'm going to have to find this now because it's a really fascinating review and it's one of the reasons it's fascinating is it's by someone who's really enjoyed Fraction Run and Iron Man uh-huh. and hates he hates the uh, the review actually it's one and a half stars out of five okay. and he says I'm not sure what Fraction is going for here and I'm honestly not concerned enough to want to find out surely there must have been other ways for this character to be depicted as struggling or conflicted as far as what is to be gained from the fierce of time here again I'm not sure Stark is not hefting any mighty weapon over his head declaring success so I'm sure we'll learn what we're supposed to learn in this issue back in the main series according to him in this tie-in issue uh, Iron Man is Stark again confronts Odin says he wants access and then you see him after having created the weapons what? Oh my god, that's like the which most means, bullshit thing ever. Which means twice, Fraction has avoided doing this. Because you and, know that issue six, because he's only got two issues left of Fear itself. It's yes. going to see him appearing going like, here's the weapons. Right. Here's your Tron outfits. Put them on. You know. Yeah, I, I also, think that's... Also, what, what the fuck is that plan anyway? Again, it's, it's like, it's something that probably made great sense in the pitch, and then when it came to writing out, it doesn't make any sense. So at some point... Right. Fraction's like, okay, I know what we're going to do. We're going to do the worthy, and then what we'll do is we'll create, we'll have Iron Man create, because he's an inventor, an alternate version of the worthy. Right. There's nothing in Fear Itself that makes any sense out of that decision for Tony Stark. Uh, are you, are you, well, let me make sure, are you sure? Because he does feel, I feel like the scene with Odin has him going like, you know, that really great, some, that somebody called out as being really whiny, the whole like, this isn't fair, you know, and he's holding up the, he holds up his fingers to show that he can count to eight. It's like, your bad guy dropped eight of them down on our heads. Yeah, that's really funny. And he's like, you know what I do before a big battle, you billowing one-eyed beard, you, I make weapons. I make really great weapons. Uh, Yeah, sure. No, all that makes sense. But it doesn't make sense is why does he decide that he needs Odin's workshop? Also, why does he think, A, Odin has a workshop, and B, that Odin's going to give him access? Especially seeing as the last time anyone's talked about Odin was the previous issue, where Thor's like, Odin told me to tell all of you to go, go fuck yourselves. Right. To say nothing of the fact that the whole lead-in, that I don't even know if it's still being made manifest, it's being teased everywhere, is the idea that Thor's hammer is was not made by Odin. You know? Like, isn't aren't we still supposed to? No, I, I th- no, I no, I think the implication is just that, that Odin isn't the All Father. I don't think there's been anything saying that Thor's hammer wasn't made by Odin. Oh, see, because I think that a the fact that he's not the All Father, and b the fact that there's all these other hammers around. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that we're just meant to be like, oh, Asgard hammers. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's it. I don't think there's meant to be any implication that Odin didn't make the hammer. Really? Because yeah. that really seems like the most clearest, like, oh, I said I was the All-Father. Now there's a guy running around with the All-Father, and he's giving everyone hammers, and I've never really given anybody but the horse guy a hammer and you. Yeah, and... I, I, don't, I don't think there's any, meant to be any implications. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I think you're reading in a much more interesting story. <laughs> well, uh... You're right. I... It wouldn't be the first time. Right, exactly. I mean, I kind of thought that that was the the whole idea is that we're supposed to. There's supposed to be this. The revelation is such as it is. Is that is that Odin is uh, my the the you know the standout character of 2012, Grifter Odin. Um, you know, which I I still want to see happen. Hope Odin. Hope Odin. Hope Odin would be the best thing ever. Just him with the patch and the helmet, like chasing trains and yeah. stuff like that. That would be the best. 
It, it also would be great if you had all of Asgard like chasing trains with him. So there's like this thunderous <laughs> crowd of like gods so running after trains would, like, and stuff. Hear something? And then it'll say, <laughs> there's a fucking city on a floating rock following us. <laughs> Please, let's try to jump onto the boxcar. I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, yeah, I I mean, so uh, there, there's so many things that I just don't understand that seem to happen where things are happening just because. And the tie-in issues, part of me feels like, well, if I read the tie-in issues, maybe I would get the rest of the gist of it but i just don't i don't have any trust in anyone it also sort of seems like a a sucker's bet it's it's interesting to me how crossovers run this thin line between like okay you have got to deliver a certain amount of story and also a certain amount of lead into everything else but fear itself has done a remarkable job of having these big moments that don't feel big and pointing to a bunch of interesting stuff that apparently is happening elsewhere that may not actually be happening you know yeah uh, it's really interesting you're talking about that because uh one of the things i did manage to get yesterday after diamonds completely screwed my local store um was the final issue of the outsider which is a flashpoint miniseries oh, yeah mm-hmm um, and what's there's, there's a couple of things interesting about it. First thing is it's getting really good reviews online, mm. which I'm kind of surprised about purely because I feel that James Robinson hasn't had good reviews since he did Starman. So it's really interesting <laughs> to see him getting good reviews. I think right. the, I think the book is worth the good reviews. Mm-hmm. But um, the interesting thing for me is both the Outsider and the Secret Seven series, which are the only two series I got all three issues of, mm-hmm. um, are entirely superfluous to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flashpoint, but also Flashpoint is kind of entirely superfluous to those series. Yeah, like yeah. they they are totally um, you can completely separate them. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy the Outsider without reading Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you might enjoy it more without reading Flashpoint. I, I was about to say, I I sort of wish that I had because this is the thing. I also picked up Flashpoint number four. Which did you have that, or were you yes. shorted? No, 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 I had that. Yeah. And that, I'm impressed, it, that also seemed to me to be like a big suck out, but in a completely different way from Fear Itself 5. Like, Fear Itself 5 is like a what-the-fuck-is-going-on comic book. Flashpoint is just bad and a cheat, you know what I mean? Flashpoint like, 4 just, is the first issue of the entire series where I kind of was like, this is weird filler. Yeah, it's totally, and in theory, it's supposed to be moving everything along. I think it's supposed to be really close to the big conclusion, but there's so little oomph to it. And also that whole, it's so ironic that we were like, yeah, that, you know, the the end of last issue was like the fakest cliffhanger ever. Exactly, and then they didn't do what we thought. We were like, Superman's immediately coming back down, and he doesn't. You don't see him again all this which I kind of loved. <laughs> Well, I didn't even necessarily think that they would have that, although uh, I, I can see why you thought so. But I was like, they've got the Flash. He's got, you know, they're totally like, they've got, they're they're completely, there's no way they can be overpowered. And their first page is them going, well, we're completely overpowered. And I'm like, really, you guys are, what? Like, it made no sense. It really was this thing of like, yeah, all these henchmen, they've got all these guns to subdue that alien that just blew off. And, well, there's no way we can beat guns. You know, until Chalk Girl comes along. So hey, the spectacular Element Woman, who, if you remember, is the one I want to see in a, a new series from DC. I do understand, and you know, it, it's kind. Of, I have to say, I, I even liked her in her weird, you know, oh, Jeff Johns is just doing a retread of Starman, but girly kind of way. I still liked it. I have to say, like, uh, Flashpoint Four is really treading water. I mean incredibly treading water. You could have easily put issue three and four in one issue. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I felt that way about issue one and two almost, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can see that. I, I did mm-hmm. like a reread of all four issues over the weekend and it, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a really oddly paced comp. It's really weirdly paced, isn't it? Um, but I, again, still like Captain Thunder in that whole setup. Oh, I do too. But and, and the fact that the, like the, the uh, design pages at the back where it gives you all the information that doesn't appear anywhere in the comic. Oh yeah, I, it all. I really, mm-hmm. I really like all that stuff as well. I like that they're a foster family. I like the whole thing. I like that they each represent a different uh, of the, a different one of the gods. I the whole shebang. That's a, I, that honestly feels like a character's been set up for a spinoff. 
Yeah, but don't you feel like that one chest impalement panel is supposed to screw that up, or do you think there's going to be a remarkable comeback? I'm sure there's going to be a remarkable comeback when they reboot reality. Mm. We'll see. I I thought that it it struck me as a little bit of the classic Jeff Johns psych-out, of like, here's the character that I've spent the most time in that everyone's going to love, and that's why I'm going to... Yes, exactly. See how huge the stakes are? I created this whole thing and just threw it away. Which... We've seen him do before, and also it 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 lacked impact in this issue. This impact, this whole issue, like you said, it even when it wasn't filler. Supposedly, this whole big final battle between Wonder Woman and Aquaman, and you know the big mission finally being carried out that wasn't going to happen in part one, it it has no impact at all. It just is. It it's it's it was just blah. I mean, that's all it was. I was really impressed it at how like you said it felt like filler it didn't feel like anything happened and the fact that it's wrapping up next issue is going to be kind of flash flashpoint i think is going to end up being a little bit of a dog it's oh no I, I it's not going to be like blackest night it's going to be um i'm trying to think of a similarly underwhelming event zero hour yeah it'll be zero hour because yeah. the, the last issue is going to spend at least half of the issue with the restarting of time. Mm. You know it will. It, like it'll be, you know, there'll be some. They'll come to some agreement about you know let's all team up and hold hands and save the world, uh, and then it'll be half an issue of like the Flash chasing after Reverse Flash and changing time again. Right. Do you know See, what I mean? And I think I think that's going to be the big deal. Is that there's going to be and. I don't even know how they're going to show that being able to happen. You know what I mean? Like, unless there's some sort of weird, the thunder that was freed from Captain Thunder, that lightning flash is able to combine with it so that it can actually change time. Or I don't know. I mean, well, no, Fla- kind of Flash has actually said earlier, like, I can go back and change time, but it's an imprecise science. So at some point, he's, mm. he's going to go back and do something. Like, to the, to again, the Flashpoint universe. Yeah, you don't you know, lay the time travel gun in the mantle in the first act. And, you know, <laughs> that's right. If you're not going to have it, like go back in time and shoot and, the person and, who put it there exactly. in the third act. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's definitely going to be it. And the fact that it's got two issues, two pages at the end explaining like the new setup, it right. pretty much guarantees that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. So we'll see. But yeah, it really ended up being really underwhelming. Fear itself is just like crazy is, bag is, of fucking cats. Yeah, fear itself is bad. Yeah, fear itself on is flash, on Flashpoint bad. is like, huh? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And and which if frankly, if it didn't have everything else layered on it, and if it hadn't been supposedly talked up for such a a long time in advance. I don't think, you know, if it'd just been a regular annual event, it would have been like, eh, oh well, you know, at least we got like a, a, a nifty, you know, Azarello Rizzo Batman, you know, choose your favorite handful of miniseries here. But the idea that this is actually the lead in to the new DC Universe, again, really makes my faith in the whole endeavor much shakier than perhaps it should be. You know? Oh, there's many reasons to have shaky faith in the whole endeavor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But <laughs> there's so many reasons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But definitely, I feel the idea of choosing, you know, having the guy who's the architect of the whole reboot. Yeah, but I do not think that the reboot is an afterthought. You know... It's tough because, because Flashpoint yes. was teased in the first episode, in the first issue of the Flash series that came out preceding this, which came yes. out at the end of Blackest Night. Mm-hmm. According to, I think everyone, mm-hmm. the reboot only really started go- getting going around March. Right. Those two things do not go together if the re- if Fear itself, if Flashpoint was always going to end the reboot. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? yes, agreed, agreed. But um, but the it's interesting because Flashpoint had been teased for such a long time, and as a big deal that I think that there was 
I think there was an idea of like, hey, let's we can partially reboot this, you know, um, you know, and I think they went with the whole hog reboot. Like, I'm not quite sure what. I think maybe Jeff Johns was just trying to like reboot it for say his JLA series, you know, or something like that, and instead they just went all out with. They were it. like, let's go, let's mm-hmm. do the whole thing. I, I, I don't know what the timing ended up being, but I don't think that Flash Gordon was originally going to do what it's ended up doing. Well, yeah. Uh, and it certainly doesn't seem to be doing what I've... <laughs> what, what, what everyone wants it to do. Yeah, in, far from it. So it's it's kind of frustrating, but it's interesting. These two, really, these these two crossover events like are are among the best arguments for why we should end crossover events and why they will never end. Well, I'm really interested to see what DC do with the crossover event because I'm fairly sure that Didio's on record as saying no crossovers for a significant amount of time in order to get the books established for a new audience. Which I totally think is great. If they hold to that for two years, it'll be great. I'll be shocked if they make it the first year. Oh, no, I I think it's going to happen a year. I I think after, I think they'll end the first year Mm -hmm. with some sort of crossover. Right. Um, but even that, it seems, you know, like the model of restraint compared with... <laughs> compared know, to with three more issues of Fear Itself? No, no, but also Fear Itself then goes into Shattered Heroes, which goes into yeah. Battle of Scars, which goes into... What's it called? The Forgiven? No, not The Forgiven. The um, the Fearful or The Fearless. The f- Really? The Fearless? Those yeah. are... Those- I just heard about Shattered Heroes. Are you the Battle Scars thing is an actual event that's actually coming? Battle Scars is to fear itself as Dark Rain was to um, Secret Invasion. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, and Shattered Heroes is, and I might be getting this wrong, a series of one shots spinning out from fear itself. And then the Fearless is a twelve issue issue biweekly series, also spinning out of Fear itself, which right. is essentially Brightest Day. Brightest Day. Who's writing that? Matt Fraction, Colin Bunn, and Chris Yost. Oh, interesting. So they're doing a, a multi-author thingy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then apparently something else big is happening after, like, at the conclusion of all of that, that ties in the X-Men books more closely with all the other books. Because, so, literally, Marvel is in permanent event. Yeah, permanent event. It's, it's, it is, it's... Because the thing is, like, Brightest Day was kind of permanent event, but also not, because after the big Brightest Day launch, where the books mm-hmm. weren't really connected, mm-hmm. there was, you know, you could argue at least six months... Mm-hmm. where everything was disconnected, whereas it feels like the Marvel books nowadays are always connected. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's super... T- you know, in this weird way that's like, hey, everything ties into everything else, but don't worry, we don't pay attention to what anyone else is doing in their books either. So it's like the best, you know? It's like, you <laughs> feel awesome. like you have to buy all the other titles, but the great thing is if you read it, you can tell none of it makes any sense. Isn't that awesome? We rock so hard. Like, seriously, reading some of Bendis's Avengers stuff is like, I'm like, dude, I thought you drank, hung out with Matt Fraction. Can't you talk to him every once in a while? Like, this really does feel like the, eh. You know, honestly, if I could bring myself to read another comic book, but, you know. <laughs> but instead, I'll just write new Avengers. I'm, I'm writing 62 Avengers books, and I'm going to have people talk about what actually happened in the books from the past tense, except not include any of the events. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's but he's, he's been doing that for a long time now. Oh, I know. It is like the worst it, storytelling it is, tactic yeah, ever. Yeah, it's exceptionally frustrating. <laughs> it's it's just terrible. Like, I'd like to read that story. And yeah, not, wouldn't that be great? No, 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 no. Uh, no, uh, no. But I was going to say something I've completely forgotten. Yeah, have you read Schism? Uh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I read the first issue and was kind of eh about it, and I can't remember if I made it through the second issue or not. So but, I read, so. I read the second and third because okay. um, I don't know, I'm a master. That's what you do. It, it, well, also because it was there, and I wanted to read things so we could talk about them. Sure, Schism is really odd. Mm-hmm. 
I made a comment to Super Brothers yesterday on Twitter that the X-Men franchise is a cover band. Right. I saw that comment and liked it. Because that's all it does. Like, it's completely trapped in its own past. Schism does not disprove this at all. Mm-hmm. Schism so far is about the return of Quentin Choir, setting up a new Hellfire Club, and the return of the Sentinels. Yes. You know? Which right. one of these concepts is new? Oh, that tried right, none of them. <laughs> That's right. However, Which one is the freshest? However, there's mm-hmm. something about the way that Jason Aaron is doing this mm-hmm. that doesn't make me more interested in Schism, but makes me more interested in what he's doing after Schism. Because he's really got this weird Silver Age sensibility in there. That's oh, kind of fascinating me. Um, you've got the joke in the first issue, by far my favorite part of the first issue, about Wolverine wanting to sleep for three days because all he's done is be a superhero for the past week. Right. Which is, is funny, right? Yeah. And it's fu- weird because it's a joke in an X-Men book that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the second issue... No, it's not the second issue. The second issue is, is basically pretty shitty. The third issue, though, Mm-hmm. has two things that are really, really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The first is the characters are at a, mu- a new museum of mutant history. Mm-hmm. And one of the Generation Hope kids sees a photograph of the original X-Men. And it's like, why are they smiling? <laughs> Which is a really interesting line. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a weird acknowledgement of how dark the franchise has gone. Mm-hmm. And then within that issue... Which goes to a very dark place. Um, right. Cyclops has a fucking jetpack to get somewhere fast. Which again is like such a weird, crazy Silver Age thing. Out of right. nowhere, he's just like, I've got to get there. And then it's thing. He's wearing a fucking jetpack flying up San Francisco. <laughs> and it's things like that where I'm like, where are you going with this? Well, you know, at the at the risk of, I, I, I'm hoping this is adding to the conversation as opposed to toppling it. But um, I picked up uh, Wolverine issue, God, issue 13 in the pack of stuff that I picked up yesterday, which is Jason Aaron. On he's been on Wolverine now for 13 issues of this reboot, and of course he and like 13 issues of, of Web and X before that, right? Exactly, exactly. So he's got a he's got a certain amount of uh, Wolverine under his belt, and he writes a good Wolverine. But the two things that I I felt in my heart after finishing Wolverine 13 is, well, maybe it's just one thing, is Jason Aaron is not going to be a big name. Like, he is a big name because the editors like him and a certain subset of of fans, like, on the internet really like him. I, I really like his stuff. I like the Punisher Max stuff is... Like eighty percent fantastic, like, and uh, I, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I think he actually does not give the fans what they want. Like, I think that his this Wolverine story, which is right after Wolverine going to hell, it would not surprise me if sales are plummeting on this book and will continue to plummet. And when he takes over X Men. It will have a blip, and then it will plummet. And frankly, well, I think he's going to suck out on Hulk as well. Well, here's the crazy thing. Schism didn't make the top ten. Wow. Which blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Schism was heavily hyped. Super I mean, hyped. really heavily hyped. Yeah. And it's an X-Men event. Yeah. And it doesn't make the top ten. Yeah. The, the, like, the, the, the June, no, the July sales are crazy because Daredevil's a top four book. Holy shit, really? Yes. And Schism doesn't make the top ten. Wow. I hadn't seen the July stats. Or they, they, I don't know, I have to look somewhere else. Wow. Daredevil's number four, which is wow. awesome. That is but the also, greatest news ever, but shocking. Yeah, it's like, how did that happen? Hmm. Um, but also, Schism's not, Schism's not in the top ten, which feels massive. And as I said this in Newsarm yesterday, what, why I think Marvel has dropped the price on the uh, Wolverine X-Men and Uncanny X-Men reboots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the first I on- issue. I honestly, anyway. I honestly think they were like, Schism didn't get to the top 10. The price has to be hit. Yeah. Because it was four ninety nine. So yeah. uh, Jesus, four ninety nine for Schism? Yep. <laughs> it's three ninety nine now. It's a four ninety nine first issue. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, but I also think, and I could be wrong here, I like Jason Aaron's chops. I like, I like his take on characters. But I don't think that what he gives 
what he puts in there is too almost wry and self-aware. Like the, the I don't. I mean, this isn't fair because, for all I know, someone else cooked up the new Hellfire Club. But I remember seeing the introduction of the new Hellfire Club and the idea that it's going to be this kid heading it up or whatever. And I was like, that's a terrible idea. And apparently looking at Bleeding Cool, the, the idea... There was, oh, it's, it's, yeah, the new Hellfire Club, Club is all kids. Yeah, that's a terrible idea too. Oh, yeah, I mean it's, that, it's, it's horrible and the, the execution is horrible as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like... it's Again, it's very Mark Miller. I, I Someday... We should sit down and just be like, let's trace Mark Miller's spread through the industry. Sure. Because there really are a lot of Mark Miller ideas showing up, in a, and a lot of Mark Miller execution showing up in places purely because he made it work. And by work, I don't mean on a quality level, right. but on a sales level. True. True. He made it work on a sales level. Although, I don't, uh, I don't know. You know, it's funny because I had that look at the Hellfire Club thing, and I guess it's because Aaron's has his writing style that's very character driven and his dialogue has is usually terse but with a twist at the end of a scene or whatever reminds me very much of of Garth Ennis that I'm kind of like ah he strikes me as more of an Ennis like guy but you could be right but this issue of Wolverine I mean this whole arc of Wolverine it's been I don't know what feels like 75 issues of Wolverine fighting these completely stupid disposable villains the, the red right hand that you'd mocked months and months ago. And as each issue goes, you see the people behind the curtain and you find out their stories. And it's essentially all, every story, there's been five of them now, is all the same story. Basically, somebody who hates Wolverine because Wolverine fucked over someone that was important to them, or you basically see their road to hell. And then the last issue, which is the big conclusion, is going to be the idea that these disposable villains that Wolverine has stabbed his way through aren't the real threat. The real threat is going to be what these characters are. And it's redundant. It's bad. And again, there's also just this idea of, you know, he's fighting, like in this issue, which is the penultimate issue, Wolverine's like final bad guy that he's he's fighting is a guy who shoots who shoots guns and his guns have knives on the end of them, you know? And it's just Wait, such his a... guns have knives on the end of them or his bullets? Yeah, no, no, not the bullets. The guns have knives on the end of them. That's... Wow. Yeah. So, but wait, isn't that like a bayonet? Hasn't, yeah. hasn't that been in existence in the real world for hundreds of years? But not as a pistol, so it's cooler? I don't know, because you can't stab the person <laughs> or shoot them well? I'm not sure. I mean, the, he had to fight a, he had to fight a guy who, like... If you get close enough, I'm going to stop you and then shoot you really hard. Really hard. Like, maybe even twice while stabbing you. Like, you know... It's... But only if you get really close. I know you could knives in your hands, so you could probably stab me first. But listen, I've worked this out. <laughs> no, no, no. This is going to work, you know. It's, it's like Wolverine's all but fighting villains named Kick Puncher, you know? And I think... <laughs> I don't, wait, wait, I love how you're, you're like, I think Jason Aaron's a really good writer, but you've written this. Well, but this is the thing that's really weird, is because I do think that he's a good writer, but he's a good writer in this weird, um, it's almost this weird post-superheroes way. You know what I mean? Like, what he writes, the characterization's really good, and I even sort of like, I mean... I remember his point one issue, which I kind of thought was terrible, where it's him fighting the Bone Brothers. There was a lot... Paul O'Brien, there were a lot of guys, a lot of guys. There were men and women, because I, I saw a couple of uh, women on Twitter who were like, I really like this point one issue. And I was like... And it makes sense to me, because the characterization is rock solid, and the book itself doesn't take itself super seriously, but... It misses, like, if you are going to talk about it in comparison to Mark Miller, Miller, like, part of what made his thing work with, like, Enemy of the State was its ability to be over the top but dead serious at the same time. You know, sort of what Jeff Loeb kind of brought to the table in a way, I think. Yeah, no, there, there is a uh, there's a benefit to sincere stupidity. Yeah. There's a benefit to, like, completely owning the dumbness of your story. Right, but 
Aaron seems to be owning his dumbness in a way that I just think the fans aren't going to like. Because it's the idea of like, if he, if Wolverine had been stabbing his way through uh, five issues of villains, and those villains were like Sabretooth and the Silver Samurai, and basically like Wolverine's greatest hits, and then there were the people behind in the room, people would be like, okay, this shit is bananas, I'm going to love it in quote-unquote maybe, I, I don't know, I think so. But the way that it's set up now, basically the people, I just don't, I, I just have this sense, like when I was reading Schism, like I'm like, this book is simultaneously too smart and too static for fans to really appreciate. And I don't mean that in a, hopefully it doesn't come off in a patronizing way, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's, I think you're allowed to be patronizing, in part because I think... Marvel has encouraged lowest common denominator fan worship of the Mm X-Men. Marvel does not let the X-Men concept step forward. Mm -hmm. When it does, they will reset it really fucking quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Um, And so it's almost as if Marvel is encouraging fans to not want anything different from their X-Men. You know, it, it might be that. It might just be that I think that there's a weird element X that has everything to do with being able to know. I do feel that at a basic level, Miller knows what the fans are going to want. You know what I mean? Like, and he always figures, contrives a way to give it to them. And Loeb, I think to a certain extent, very much operates in the same way of like sitting down and going, okay, who are people going to want in this surprise double page reveal? Yeah, exactly. What would be awesome? How do I take that? And and they're aware that a lot of what that awesome comes from is a certain amount of history. So it's like Captain America and Deathlock, like knife fighting on a sinking submarine, being surrounded by a bunch of sharks. Sounds great, you know? And honestly, that, and that's why I don't want to sound patronizing. That's what I so- want from my comics, you know? Like, And I can take it when Jason Aaron is doing something like Punisher Max or... Uh, even in his Ghostwriter series, he had he was able to really commit to the idea of it, but he was never really able, willing to commit to the stupidity of it in a way that wasn't like a backyard wrestling kind of way. You know what I mean? As opposed to a WWE, this is happening in the main ring with millions of people cheering. Like you're still getting one dude hitting another dude with a chair. It's just different. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really think, and I could be wrong, but I think Aaron has a shitload of work lined up for Marvel. I'm really happy for him. I think all of it's going to, is going to start off selling poorly and get worse. What, what I think is really interesting is I think Kieran Gillen, and it mirrors this in a lot of ways. I think Kieran Gillen is more appreciated by the editors than he is by the fans. Mm. Um, and the fact that we're going to have a Gillen Aaron led franchise for a while yeah. is kind of interesting because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, you know, we'll see. It, it yeah. might be, it might be that we're wrong. I, I'm I'm interested uh, in seeing. I'm interested to see where Schism goes because right now, in the middle of the series, there seems to only be one out, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is Cyclops. Kind of has to die. Mm. Uh, otherwise or, that's not true he could go to jail that's true mm-hmm. you have to write Cyclops out of the book you have to write Cyclops out of the franchise for a bit after this um, because the story of Schism seems to be Cyclops is has gone from being a quote unquote good leader which is how Marvel has been is that, like playing him for the longest time even though he's been making really really questionable decisions to right. being like He's gone beyond self-destructive to just being outright destructive. The big event in Schism 3 is he basically encourages, shall we say, mm-hmm. a 14-year-old girl to kill the bad guys. Um, but er, like in the issue before that, he Quentin, they capture Quentin Quire, or Quentin Quire like, comes and gives himself up after causing a riot in the UN. And Wolverine's like, let's call Captain America. <laughs> like, let's mm-hmm. just give him Captain America. This guy's wanted. And Cyclops is like, no, he's ours. You know, he's one of us. We don't give him up. 
and then he outrights lies to Captain America. Mm-hmm. I think between those two things, mm-hmm. I think they're really setting up for Cyclops has gone off the deep end. Right. And the idea that, I mean, I, I just feel like they have to get rid of him after this. And it's, it makes me really sad because I feel like you've, bro- you've purposefully broken the character. Right. For the point well, of, like, here's your big finish. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I, it, I think that they, you know, I think, well, here's the thing. Back when they were, they were pitching the two X-Men teams, in a way, I sort of could see the sense of it. I'm not reading the X-Men book on an issue by issue basis. So it's tough for me to be like, you know, I'll have to take your word for it because I didn't read it. And the thing that's weird is part of me is like, I can see the idea of post-Professor X, Cyclops essentially, quote unquote, coming into his own as a leader and having to make tough choices and being becoming more and more morally compromised as he goes along, I think is a pretty good hook for an X-Men arc. But how you're actually going to have him be saved... Um, I think, personally, I think that they're going to go all the way down this road, like, take it right to the very end, and then that's when they bring back Jean Grey, and she heals him, and you get the big reboot. So, but I think that that's... I really hope they don't bring back Jean Grey. Well, let's put it this way. I don't know why I'd be surprised if they did, Right. I really, really, really hope they don't. If that's their solution, if their solution is Cyclops has become morally uh, ambiguous... And he's gone and made some wrong decisions, but that's because Jean Grey wasn't around. That again is completely horrific. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I got bad news for you. I could be, I could be totally wrong. My personal <laughs> I mean, theory you're, you're, is, you're is still that, right about the, the Superman Wonder Woman, uh, Superman Lois Lane writing. So no, that's true. But that you know, but my theory is is that's designed to be a long way down the road. Their whole thing is is like if we can go a full. Decade oh, but they've been doing that plus. for so fucking long. I mean, Cyclops has been the one making questionable decisions at this point for six years. Right. I mean, how long can you really take this? Schism has to be the end, like the, the end of this plot. Hmm. Has to be. Well, could be. I mean, it could be, but I, I, you know, like I said, you're reading the book. It just seems to me like they have a if they didn't have the two X-Men teams splitting off, I would agree with you. But you're saying that, and I haven't followed enough of the trailer, is Cyclops not being teased on the trailer of the other X-Men book? No. Oh, interesting. Cyclops is missing from all the X-Men books apart from he's on the cover of Astonishing X-Men. But, uh, well, first of all, everyone thought Cyclops was dying in schism. Right. Before he appeared in the cover of Astonishing X-Men. But he's on the cover of Astonishing X-Men with Storm with a Mohawk. Right. Which suggests to me, like, you know, fantasy sequence, alternate reality, blah, 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 blah. Not real Cyclops or Storm. He's, right. not, he's not on the cover of any of the, the um, post-schism books that they've revealed. Oh, I see. So you think that that's some sort of, like, almost a red herring to draw yeah. you off from the yeah. fact that... Yeah, I really think it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, you might be right. You might be right. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I think a weird way. I think they have to get rid of him after this for a mm-hmm. while. But, you know, that they won't. It's not like they've taken characters way past where their character arc has, has required them before. True. True, true, true. Speaking of which, did you pick up Daredevil number two? Yes. Nice, wasn't it? I really yeah, enjoyed I, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just liking it. I'm just, yeah. It's just good. Uh, I noticed this issue, and I'm not sure if it was there last issue or I just didn't notice it. I love hearing Matt Murdock talk like a lawyer. Yes, it was. Really it was heavier like this that. issue. Yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because this issue also had like the whole Cap and Daredevil fighting stuff was fun, and it actually was like I was like, oh right, there was an issue where Captain a Gene Colan issue where Cap and Daredevil fought that was like issue sixty two or something like that, and it was also kind of similarly great fun. And it was really interesting how they managed to do so much of the same stuff, but make it feel new. And just that little line where he's like, he says like, oh, that shield's beautifully balanced. It was like the highlight of my night. I was like, wow, that that's such a great little moment, you know? 
And the whole, I just like everything about the issue, except, you know, little quibbly, quibbly, quibbly bits. But man, um, even right up to the end, uh, I just, I just really dug it. It, I, it was I a comic say, book. Yeah. So I was going to say, reading it, one of my thoughts was, if DC's relaunch, if half of the books are as good as Daredevil, then they're golden. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it feels like a perfect relaunch of a book. Yeah, it, it is It is a perfect relaunch. I don't... I kind of can't imagine... Of course, it's a really high standard because it's like the art is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And I, I, it's like, really there, there it. isn't going to be like 20 books that can measure up to this. They're, they're oh just... It's, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, it, it's really just, just damn delightful all all the way through. So, And I love the bits of having been in... Uh, in New York recently being having the Highline um like play into things and just all I'm like, wow, this really feels like it's it's happening in New York and with actual characters. And there's also because there's I guess three or four separate scenes and each one of them are very leisurely, it felt like I'm getting a lot of bang for my buck. This yeah. is really that and um the I guess the third issue of Criminal, Last of the Innocent, were I think sort of the highlights of my my various floppy purchases. Well, I, I didn't really get much floppy purchases because, like, I was telling you an email, I, I, my store got completely screwed by Diamond. Yeah, that really um, is shocking. Like, I got... I, I think the only singles I got were I got the, the last few issues of Green Lantern Core just because I was reading War of the Green Lantern's Aftermath and it just right. got, like, a very Green Lantern through my mind and I was like, yeah, if they're there, I'm going to pick them up. Uh, and they were, they were fine. Uh, what I like about the Green Lantern books post War of the Green Lanterns is because they've got the three months between like that event and the relaunch, mm. they've got nothing to do. So you're getting three done in ones. Wow! And it's really nice. That's kind of <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of awesome that circumstances have forced them, quote unquote, to do three done in one issues. Right. I mean, when do you see that in superhero books anymore? Yeah. <sighs> I'm trying to think. Wasn't there? God, what was the title where I swear to God they were doing trying to do done in ones? Anyway, not for a long time. I want to say that like Blue Beetle had some interconnected done in ones, but that was years and years and years. Yeah, ago. exactly. That would that must have been because Blue Beetle hasn't even been around for like three or four years. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, so it's been really nice. Yeah, that does. Sound I, I, really it's, great. it's been. It was very reminiscent of um, like old school X Men in that all of the done in ones are picking up on subplots. Mm-hmm. So like they've got the A story, but the A story is really there to to play up the B story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and it helps that Tony Bedard talking about Claremontism is, is very like you know melodramatic with his dialogue. Mm. He, he's he's one step away from choke. <laughs> you know, but I think I kind of dig that. I'm. Well, no, that's of, just it. It kind of yeah. works, mm-hmm. and so they were very enjoyable books, right? Um, but I wouldn't say, you know, they're changing the industry. It's just like, yeah, they're enjoyable books. If you like Green Lantern, you might uh-huh. like these books as opposed to, you know, I would suggest anyone read this. Like Daredevil, I'm just to anyone. I'm right. Just, to uh, anyone. You should read yeah. Daredevil. It's just a very good comic. Right. I don't think that you would like it. And I think I've mentioned it in the past. I, I'm sure I've mentioned it in past podcasts. But Punisher, Aaron and Dylan's Punisher Max book, man, I'm really... I'm really enjoying it. This issue, which is sort of the conclusion to um, uh, sort of the the Punisher's sort of secret origin, I guess, um, wasn't I was I was hoping that it would go the distance. And I felt like at the end of it, I was ahead of it. He has a secret origin. Well, sort of. Essentially, the the way that it's built up in in the Punisher Max, which I very much I. I think, for me, like, Aaron reboots The Punisher Max. I came to the series very late, so I got to read them all pretty much at a huge spread. They're tremendously satisfying. The first uh, the first arc of five or six issues is called uh, Kingpin and is the, about the story of Wilson Fisk and how he rises to become the kingpin of crime, essentially by creating the idea of it, you know, and making everyone believe it actually exists. The second arc is Bullseye, and the the Punisher Max version of Bullseye is kind of a a, a crazy psychopath, but he's also a crazy psychopath who does that classic, like, I have to get into the head of my, um, you know, victim to, to really know them. And so he goes through this whole sequence where he's like, 
it's kind of great where he basically kidnaps families and takes them out on picnics and has gangsters come out and start shooting them and he's like something's not right wait what is it i can't figure it out and he finally figures out he's like there's this secret about frank castle about what happened that day that he's never told anyone that bullseye gets into his head and he's figured it out and so when there's a big showdown he actually whispers it into uh frank castle's ear and you sort of see the punisher kind of fall apart and this this whole story that just ended is called Frank where the Punisher in real time has been caught by the cops and is in prison and is essentially kind of a lifeless husk who's ready to die and it keeps flipping between that and the the flashback sequences to when Frank Castle comes back from the war and you see kind of how close he is how essentially how far he is from his family because his head still in in that place and it's really done very well but it the whole pitch is like this is the issue where we finally see what he turns and he says to his wife that day at the picnic and Aaron has been building to it really for you know nine issues but it's really the point of the whole 16 issues it's like okay here's my definition of why Frank Castle is the Punisher and it both works but it's also kind of not quite new enough to really nail me. Well, that, that's just, I feel like if you've been building up something like that for 16 issues, mm-hmm. you you can't land it. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's almost at that point, the mythology of it in the reader's right. mind has become yeah. so big that you can't come up with anything that's going to be that satisfying. Right. Well, uh, but some, but of course there are those is, moments is it something, like, is it something really trying? Is it something like, I wish you were dead? I wish that the mob <laughs> would come in right now and shoot you dead. Yeah, pretty much. No, it's not that. It's not. It's not that far over over the the, the top. Um, it's it actually fits relatively well. Uh, I just kind of had a moment of, you know, like I said, and it's not so much that it's been built for the full sixteen. It's really been built for more or less the 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 last six or so, which, considering some of the delays in publication, is more than long enough. Um, but. But up until this issue, like, man, when I re- sat down and read those, like, 12 or 13 issues in a row, that was some of the most satisfying comic reading from American comics that I've read this year. Not, and I don't mean this in a way to trick you to get you to read it, but not in a way that you would enjoy, Graham. I know that it's not your kind of book, <laughs> you know. I'm but a wuss. Come what's on. What's that? I'm a wuss. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just. Rocket, it's, Rocket's Punisher was enough for me, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I actually, I needed to read all of that. I wasn't really. Did you like it? I didn't. I wasn't really digging Honestly, the first half of it. I, I didn't it make it okay. through. Yeah, I pretty much read the first half and I was like, I'm not really feeling this. Oh, look, there's the second half. I'll read it later. And it took me a long time to go back to it. Okay, I still haven't gone back to it. So yeah, that's kind of. I, I had that moment. Okay, interesting. But, but uh, interestingly enough, I thought I was feeling that because I don't really care about the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I thought that it's it felt like it was trying really hard, if that made sense. Yes. Um and I just I I wasn't feeling it. So it's interesting to hear you who actually likes Punisher. Um Yeah have, having a essentially the same reaction. Well yeah, and it's tough because I mean it, I it, it may just be that the bar got set too high or dislodged or I s I got overly optimistic, but I walked into Rucka's Punisher being like, it, like I like the idea of Rucka, but his execution's always, eh, and I'm getting a really good Punisher book where this this issue that's the end of this arc it isn't quite good enough for me. So it's kind of kind of difficult. I'm I'm definitely hard to please sometimes. Uh, but yeah, there was just something where I felt like Rucka was trying to like. He he knew what he needed to do for a Punisher book, and he knew that he didn't want to do it in the traditional way that people do a Punisher book, which is fine, but the results read very Rucka-esque for me, in a way. But without being without without the without the really good stuff from Rucka. You know what I mean? So it was kinda like, oh, it's all kind of supporting characters and, you know, secondary situations, but we're not gonna give you enough connective tissue to really make you feel for the characters, but I've got enough research that you can really sense how grimy it all is. 
I don't know. Maybe you didn't have that feeling. But. No, I, I, that's, that's actually very close to how I felt. So it just it it didn't knock me out. Meanwhile, Grime that did knock me out, uh, Criminal, Last of the Innocent, Issue 3, I thought was quite enjoyable. Are you telling I, me that Grime does pee? Grime, oh, beautiful. Thank, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be yeah, that's, that's right. Try the waitress. 